Signs of the Southland, Monday, January 30th, 2023. Gentlemen, we have a new guest with us, Asa Waters, uh, our men's basketball writer aficionado. Asa, why don't you introduce yourself to the commentary and tell us a little, little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I've had the, the pleasure of writing a few articles about what might be the worst Georgia Tech basketball team I've seen. Uh, what is actually probably the worst, um, but that's okay. Uh, I still love watching the games. Uh, I didn't go to tech. It's my fun fact about myself. My dad did, and so he got me into this whole business. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the team regardless. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Why don't we get right into it? Mr. Purdy, set the stage for men's basketball for me. What happened this week? And why do we have Asa here to diagnose it? <laughs> um, well, for one, we uh, they they keep losing. Um, it, we, well, other than we, that, they, they, yeah, other than that, um, we lost two games. And I'll, I'll I'll start with this. Josh Pastor every press conference says you have to score seventy to win in the ACC. The winning team in both these games got to seventy, but the losing team um, only one time crossed fifty. And it was, uh, it was. I would say it's not for the lack of effort. I think the effort was there, but it was just so clear that they were so outmatched in both situations. Clemson was 24th ranked. Duke was 26th if you go past the top 25 in the AP. Um, and it was just so bad. It was so bad. I don't know how else to put it. Um, I think a sign that we're like, I, the, the thing in the back that you, background that you couldn't hear is me cackling at the fact that both of these scores. And I think a sign that both of us can do nothing but laugh is very bad. It's where we're it at. It's very, uh, very bad. I wasn't at the Clemson game, but I was at the Duke game, and I was kind of. I got there really early just to like check and see how many Duke people would show up, how early. Um, it got to about ninety percent full, but it wasn't as many Duke fans as I was expecting, relative to how bad Tech has been and how few people I would have thought were going to come. Um, so that that's where I'm at with that. Uh, my last note: we lost eighty-six to forty-three to Duke. We scored forty-three points. We gave up forty-three points in the first half. 43 in the second half and lost by 43 points. Uh, don't like. Ace, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, I I feel like after the Miami game, we were like at a crossroads of like maybe we're not as bad as we thought. Right. Maybe Pastor was right in his preseason press conferences and like this is a team that'll just gel together and you know the star of the team will be the team. Um, and then we lost. Pretty embarrassingly to Florida State, and I don't think we've won since. Um, so yeah, things are not looking good. And and usually in the past, I think we all know this. Like, pastor teams have gotten better. They usually yeah. start off pretty bad, which is um, you know not great. But he he said that himself. He says that every press conference. He's like, this is how we yeah, rationalize I, it. It's like it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. And it's well, it's it's not happening. It doesn't. It, it's the opposite. This is like we're getting astronomically worse. Um, I don't think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, I I got two things. One, sorry that your dad is putting you through all of this. (laughs) Yeah, this is your father's fault, to be clear. We we didn't even have a catastrophic loss to a low major team this year. That's the most astonishing thing to me. No Coppin State, no Gardner-Webb, no Grambling. It's still on the table. Florida uh, Tech still. If we lose to Florida Tech, I, I... we won't talk about know. them again if if they lose to Florida Tech. I mean, we'll just wait till that's not even D one. 
It's not to sound so incredulous. I, I'm I'm this close to declaring that the basketball segment's getting replaced by food ratings, Akshay. This close. We did, uh, Ace, a little bit of background. We did do that at one point. We did actually just re- stop talking about the football team and replace it with food reviews. Um, at one point, I think this was either, this was this 19 or 20. It was Citadel. definitely post-Citadel. Citadel. Oh, yeah. Citadel um, would cause that. Yeah, it was it, it was brain breaking. But please, please continue y'all's conversation. Uh, yeah, well, I think yeah to to respond to that, like in all, like in comparison to past years on our passenger, like I actually think we were like fine and out of conference. We won the games we should have won, lost the games we should have lost. Yeah. So I was feeling like fairly confident going into the ACC schedule, especially considering like the ACC is not good this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, Jack, you and I were talking beforehand, and I think you said it well, like, there's a major confidence issue on this team. And I think in past seasons, even last year when we weren't good, we still had guys that could, like, get a bucket when things were yeah, not going well. Exactly. There is you were one, you were one Mike DeVoe, you were one Mike DeVoe three away from something, and then Usher just, like, becoming a party animal and wrecking the other team. So yeah. but it was always, there was that potential energy never went away. Even if we well, were, there were games we were down by a lot, but it was there. And and something that we saw last year was like the the freshman Miles Kelly and Debo come to mind, but like being just a hair off, you know. And and it was excusable, right? Miles yeah. Kelly's young; it's gonna click. He's gonna get to the speed of ACC play. And you have that kind of Mike DeVoe, Jordan Usher fallback last year, but this year there's not that. Like Miles, I mean, we we saw it from game one when it was all right, games on the line, balls in your hands, like score, like. It, it just doesn't seem like anybody's really ready to be that guy on the court. And based on how Rodney Howard was talking in last week's like end of week presser, like it doesn't seem like they have that that emotional core in the locker room either, yeah. a la Jose. And yeah, and of course, know. we're on year two of talking about talking about Jose. And 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 if we're talking about a confidence thing, I mean, it's Asa. Don't expect you to come in and comment following up on this with women's basketball here because that's you know a little bit left turn, but. I think the vibes were the same for the women, right? They they won the games they should have won for the most part and lost the games they should have lost for the most part in the non-con. And it's just been a, a dry January b- between the two. Yeah, but it, the no women's way. team is at least getting better. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, yeah. No, no, I, I just, you know, you're totally right. Let's talk a little bit about their next fixture, the men's next fixture, which is at Louisville on Wednesday. So tomorrow when y'all hear this. Uh the way that I described this to someone else was this is like watching nuclear waste melt down. <laughs> Both of these teams are terrible. Uh, Asa, any comment? Uh, yeah, no, I think um, I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head there. I And we were talking about it, you know, they haven't had like the truly terrible loss to a really bad team. This is the chance. I It could happen. <laughs> Well, we were saying on an, on an episode a couple of weeks ago that the only reason that Tech is not dead last in the conference is because Louisville is having one of the worst high major basketball seasons in recorded history. Like, yeah. this, is, this is a deplorable state of affairs in Louisville, Kentucky. I... I truly have no clue what's going on there. And they like, there's like talented guys on that team. I think Eli Ellis and uh, 
Brandon Huntley Hatfield is like, I think they're both really good players. I mean, you need more than two guys, but like, it's not like this is a team that just is devoid of talent. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward to the game. I, I truly don't know. What That's sicko to, behavior. That is sicko yeah, behavior, well, absolutely. sir. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That's might what we like, should encourage here. Yes. Yeah, it could be like 45 to 50 final oh score. Oh my God. Like, I cannot I, wait. Probably not, honestly. Both these teams are also very bad at the beat. So who knows? I, I, asked if, I asked my sister if she was going to go, and she just laughed. <laughs> she was like, no. Oh my goodness. I was I'll like, ask- your two favorite teams, you know? And she, no. <laughs> not, not. Asa, my sister goes to Louisville, so that's here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Asa, I'll ask you this because Josh says he has more than five starters. D- do you think he has more than five starters? Um, no. No, actually, not at all. Um, I don't think. I mean, we're, we're super reluctant to play Javon Franklin. Um, yeah. Like, he's, he's like a six foot six center. Um, he's pretty yeah. good, but. You can't do that against seven footers like Duke. Um, and Rodney Howard, at least, is, is a large person. Um, that's what he does well is that he's big. He's a um, large person, and yet we still put the, size. and yet we you still put a larger size. person in. We still put a larger person in against yeah. Duke to even worse yeah. effect. Well, that was, I mean, one of the most like damning parts of the press conference. Not just him saying I've tried everything, but him saying like. We just look small out there, but yeah. this is—I mean, what what year is this under Passer? And these are his guys. Oh, this God. is the team this he is... put together. Well, and, and, and the thing there too is like, you know, you, you you cycle through some assistant coaches, sure, but like at some point you got to call somebody on the Rolodex and fill the void. I mean, I, I miss I miss the gang as much as the next guy, but I think that's—I mean, Passner's been Passner the whole time. Where where are the where the where's the consistency next to him on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean I, the the popular theory is that Eric Reveno was the the glue holding everything together, but I I don't know if I buy that. But um, he definitely great track record of developing big men, which we could definitely use right now. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a valid point. I mean, we had we had I mean, Lammers worked at what we, what he was going to be without Eric. Who knows? But. Yeah. If there is any, if there is a single position, I would say please improve. It would be the center position, so you could at least make Martinov ser- serviceable. Oh, in, I don't. Well, if it was possible, if it yikes. was possible. But this is where not we are a pop- Well, this is not a popular take. But Moses Wright was like a no-ranked, like nobody when he came into the program. Yeah, kind of similar to the to the type of big men we've got in the last year or two. But, like, he blossomed into a great guy because of great player development. And, like, I mean, minus Reveno, we haven't seen that. So I, I think it's pretty, at least maybe not the whole thing. I, I don't think it's really fair to anyone involved to say, like, oh, it was all that one guy's fault. Like, write it off. But, like, I mean, like, I don't want to be a hater because I love Moses and I, I appreciate the great memories. But he wasn't that good when he started. He was, you know, like, <laughs> he, he looked raw. And, and, yeah. and the whole team looks raw had- right now. He had the potential, I think. Like, yeah. he was coordinated. Yeah. He had, like, a fluidity to him that was not, like, Rodney Howard does not have that. No. He, he's yeah, got no, two left feet, two left hands. Like, um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't want to, like, hate on Rodney Howard. I think he's, like, such a great guy. Um, we were talking about his, like, him stepping into the press conference when, when Debo Coleman looked like he had just seen a ghost. Um, so I, I do think he is, like, He's shown he's a leader on the team, and I think that's valuable in and of itself. I think Kyle Sturdivant as well 
how bad he's played, I think he still steps up as a leader in that locker room, or at least seems to in press conferences. Asa, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you see a through line between Sturdivant and Todrick Jackson? Because I feel like I say that all the time, and I need to feel validated by somebody who's not Jack and Akshay because they hear my terrible takes every week. Boy, do um, I. I. I probably see a little more Todrick and, and like Davon Smith just okay. for athleticism. I don't think Sturdivant's super like fast, like straight line speed. He's not much of a, a jumper, though. But I, I'm with you. He's kind of got that like old man mid range game. Yeah, I like I like Sturdivant. I I hope his year starts to turn around because I kind of like the way he plays. Um, well, it's, but if it's you're not like the, you shots, put the you're turning the ball over. Yeah, it, it's and that's the the point I think I was more going for was like you know when the ball's in his hand he's gonna do something and you're gonna be like wow I just saw a thing you know but okay yeah cool but to to focus on a positive. Avon Smith, I think, has been, like, incredible this year. Um, the man might lead us in, like, every physical category at the end of the year. Um, and he's, like, six foot. So that's great for player development because he was not there yeah. even last year. He's turned he's into, like, an actually good point guard. He doesn't turn the ball over, makes good decisions. He can't shoot, um, which is troubling because he is, like, I think he's the kind of person that has that mentality of, like, he could take over and, and get us a bucket when we need yes. one. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. If you can't shoot, you can't do that. Nope. Nope. Just put a, put on the, the Jose Alvarado highlight tape. Watch this. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. Cause, cause to me, like a more casual basketball guy, he projects the exact same way. He has the, he has a similar motor. I mean, I, I guess he plays a similar position. Y'all can comment on that a little bit more. He plays a similar role, and he has the same work rate, right? He gets up and down the court really quickly. He tries to take that initiative but um, on the court and get a bucket when you really need it. Obviously, it, sometimes it doesn't work out. More often than not, it doesn't work out. But he he does stuff, right? You want, <laughs> for lack of a better term, he does things. He does stuff. Um, and and you want someone that has that in their in their locker and that can in a game with only five people on the court offensively, you want someone that has that in their locker. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's you need guys that can make things happen. And I, I I'm hopeful that Miles Kelly can kind of turn around the slump he's having because I think he is that kind of guy. Um, I don't know if Debo Coleman is. I think he's a great shooter, but I don't think he has like the 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 ball skills to really create for himself. Yeah. So we need like really just Avon and Miles Kelly just have to have the ball in their hands like all the time. And if they can get better, maybe next year will be better. I, who knows? I mean, you could get, I mean, this is getting way ahead of myself, but like, yeah, you never know what could happen next year. So I, I'm not going to completely write these guys off. Um, still going to watch every game. Probably going to be similar results every game, but just looking for improvement on like a individual player level, something to look forward to next year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Asa, thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for your insight into men's basketball. We'll let you go. I know you were something about your computer charger being, being broken, but we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Let's flip over to the women's side of the Zelnak Center. We touched on them and teased a little bit about their results this week. They beat Clemson by 11 
points, the highest scoring game for Georgia Tech women's basketball since the last home game versus Clemson. Five players in double digits, Tony Morgan, Kayla Blackshear, Cameron Schwartz, Kara Dunn, and Nerea Hermosa, all with double digit points. Mr. Purdy, walk me through the rest of the game. Walk me through some of these performances. It was a wildly fun and good game. Um, this this was an act that we actually outplayed a team. Like this was this was this was a legit win. It wasn't Syracuse missing a bunch of shots that they should have made. This was that this was a tough and scrappy Clemson team, as Coach Fortner put it, that they were able to take over from and do and just do the work that they needed to do. Um, this was another game and seeing what Tony Tony Morgan's future is going to be like, though she's figuring out how to finish at the rim when she did well tonight. But this was the game where she figured out how to do assists. She had 12 on the night. She went 13, 12, and 5. This is like two games after she had a high point, high rebound game. So she's just taking over games where she needs to take <clears> it <throat> over right now, which is incredible to see. And I asked, like, is there like a triple doublish kind of feature here? So now she's like, yeah, it's it's out there. I like what I have now with her. But like, yeah, who the hell knows? Um, no, they, they had a just a very good game all around. They finally were hitting, making shots. Kayla went nine of thirteen. Cam went seven of sixteen. Tony went four of nine. Um, Dina has only played three minutes, and it was just kind of clear this game was just not going to be for her. And they all just was like, "All right, don't worry about tonight," because uh, they were very scrappy. And Dina is not yet at the point to like use her really flowy, rhythmic style against a team that's just ready to just punch you in the face. Um, so that's how that went. And Hermosa played thirty minutes and looked like her old self. Who knew? It's still there. Yeah. <laughs> the caveat that Jake always offers when we play Clemson, when Tech plays Clemson in women's basketball, excuse me, is that playing Clemson in women's basketball is eating a hit in RPI. Would you say that's still true, Mr. Grant? I absolutely would. Um, I don't think that Clemson is a particularly stellar program year over year. That being said, I think they've improved, certainly. Um, but I got... Uh, I got a saying that I, I think Kyle Schwarber used to say all the time on the Cubs, but you should never leave Cincinnati without a home run. I feel similarly for playing <laughs> Clemson in women's basketball or volleyball for that matter and winning, right? You should never leave that game without a win. And to Nell's credit, uh, it, it is worth pointing out that she has never lost to Clemson in, I believe this is now the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eighth game that they've played against Clemson, maybe ninth. Uh, they are, um, they, they are undefeated under Nell against Clemson. I certainly have, we certainly have not played another ACC team with that frequency over those years, um, over the last four years, but, uh, I would be shocked if, if there was another team that we even got four or five and a perfecto on it's it's Clemson, right? Like they're, they're an improving program. Don't want to hate on them. They almost beat us like twice last year. Like, Oh, those are both near win, win the winnable games. This is a winnable game, right? Absolutely. Is that fair? I don't know. Absolutely. No, no, I, I I totally get your meaning. Their next fixture is NC state. That is Thursday, February 2nd at 8 PM. I assume that is an ACC network extra feature something like that something along those lines nc state uh while i look let's look up the espn rankings on uh, NC they're, state, they're, shall we? they're still good um we're in a this is going to be a more comfortable stretch of the schedule going forward so we have clemson again really soon 
Uh, so this will, I think we'll actually get a couple, three wins, like in the next five or so is, would be my, uh, my hope not saying it'll happen, but I think this is outside this NC state game. I like where we're going. Also it's NC state at home, which is always a better, always better. Um, yeah, we got Miami, then Clemson and then Pitt, uh, in the next, God. That. so there's, there's, Just... there's, there's shot for what there's room for the wins there. I'll also note that, um, uh, I to one more, the scheduled part reminded me about, um, what Josh Pastner said about the men that in their in the eleven games they've played they've had the hardest set of eleven in the entire ACC, which makes sense because they still haven't played Louisville yet, uh, and they played them twice. So Boston in terms of just like for that matter, but or Boston, yeah. So like they've had as they've had the roughest stretch in terms of what the schedule gave them. Um, I don't think that excuses the fact that they lost to Notre Dame, and he doesn't excuse that either. But. Um, Still, I just want to point out that NC State is ranked 15th in the nation. They are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, seventh in the ACC at six and four. They're 16 and five yeah. overall. This is an it's absurd a- women's basketball conference this really year. Is. I uh, I would like to addendum my previous comment about some past results for us. Uh, Clemson, it was the eighth win against them under Nell. Florida State is the next closest with five. Wake Forest is also five. So, like I said, uh, Clemson is is a team that Nell Fortner has handled pretty well throughout her career. Fair enough. Like we said, NC State, that's Thursday, February 2nd at 8 p.m. We will talk about the football schedule release live and commit a rights violation after this short break. As always, uh, this podcast is brought to you by the good folks over at Section 103. Section 103, as you know, uh, the best place to get Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, We got some classic performance uh, apparel, but we've also got some great throwback type stuff as well. Looking ahead to baseball and softball season, uh, it is worth pointing out that there's some great baseball and softball options out there. Uh, We've got uh, the jackets script with the GT in white and also in baseball sleeves, which are a great way to prepare for baseball season. But my personal favorite is the homage with the tech lettering of the full zip up hoodie. I think I've mentioned it like eight times because I wear it all the time. Every time it comes out of the wash, Uh, as always, you can get free shipping on orders over 70 bucks every day. You can find them at section 103 on Twitter and at section 103.com on the interwebs. Welcome back to Scions of the Southland for Monday, January 30th. While we wait for the football schedule release on ACC Network, let's avoid committing a rights violation for just a little longer. Let's talk about men's tennis. They were up at Stanford for ITA kickoff weekend. That is number 18 Stanford by the coaches poll, I believe. They took Stanford to the brink and started out really well, didn't they, Mr. Brandt? Yeah, uh, they did. I mean, honestly, I don't want to sound like astonished, but I was kind of surprised. Stanford's a really good program. Uh, They are ranked number 18 in the country. Uh, Interesting with the hosting dynamics. Usually it's top 15, but ITA versus, you know, all that stuff kind of comes out in the wash. Um, they started out strong with a win in doubles. Uh, it was a win on courts one and two. That means Martin and McDaniel were your winners, six, four. And Chopra and Shoki, Shokri uh, were your winners on court two. That was six, three. Uh, the match did come down to the last singles court, I think is the right way to uh, talk through that. And it's tough, right? Because Georgia Tech did rattle off a couple more wins in singles. 
Those two wins were two setters, uh, Chopra and Sokdev. Uh, they both won 6-3, 6-2. The longest court was Shokri and Rajesh from Stanford. On court six, uh, that was your three-setter. You also had McDaniel losing in tiebreak, Martin losing in two, and uh, who am I forgetting? McKinney losing in two, 6-3, 6-2 on court five. Uh, so really tough fight all the way around, but uh, Tech, Tech did uh, come up a little bit short in the end. It's a really valiant effort, especially juxtaposed against their game earlier or their match yesterday where they unfortunately, actually, I think it was earlier today, uh, where they fell to Pepperdine, who is ranked 20th, I believe, in the coaches poll. It was a really tough uh, region that they went to. Uh, Georgia Tech had the ability to draft into a specific region, um, and it was A&M, Pepperdine, and uh, Stanford, all very well-regarded teams. Nothing like crazy, crazy top tier, um, which is kind of the logic between being able to draft as the fourth position into a tournament like that. You really guarantee yourself two great matches, but uh, Tech uh, came up a little bit short in the, in the second one as well. I believe the final on that one was 1-4 or 4-1, depending on how you interpret your scores. Let's move over to the north end, or I guess the east end of the Bay Area, northeast end, something like that. The Bay is very large. The women's tennis team was in Berkeley to face off versus Cal. That's the one team from the region they didn't actually play, so I'm going to well actually a little bit, yeah, there, uh, they did play San Diego uh, in the first match, and then they were paired up against Pepperdine, the loser of the Cal Pepperdine, 1-4 uh, in the second match. Uh, I will say that that did just foreshadow their results. They lost to San Diego 4-1. to one. Uh, Tough, uh, tough uh, result there uh, in doubles. They fell uh, 6-4 and 6-2. Uh, that would be uh, Carol Lee and Kate Sherbrew actually pairing up with uh, another number 53 ranked team. So there must be a tie there somewhere in the rankings or uh, this uh, site just has it over incorrectly, but I choose to believe that it's a tie and it was a really well-matched court. We also had, like I said, Bilchev and Cruz losing on court two. uh, Yeah, which was deciding the doubles point. Uh, In terms of singles, we did see wins from Carol Lee, uh, who is up to number 10 in the country on court one. That was 6-4, 6-2. That was less successful the rest of the way uh, down down the slate, if you will, uh, with Mahak Jain losing on court three, uh, Rosie Garcia-Gruos losing 6-1, 6-2 on court five, and Ruth Marsh losing 6-3, 6-2 in in that order, more or less, uh, other than the win, which came second. deciding things uh at the time play was suspended uh kylie bilchev and alejandra cruz were both leading so potential for a 4-3 but uh you know just uh came up a little bit short you know maybe the the margin looks a little bit cleaner uh if a couple of those go a little bit faster but you know tough tough showing um and then they moved on to play pepperdine or princeton sorry we've got a friend who goes to princeton after going to pepperdine so they're like in my head and i'm all frazzled so Pepperton? Sure. Let's let's go with that. Orange. The orange. Pepperton sounds like a rejected name for Fansville. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was good. Tough weekend for the tennis programs, but if we flip over to the swim programs, they had a much better weekend, wouldn't you say, Mr. Purdy? I would indeed. Uh, It helps when you schedule Gardner Webb 
Right. <laughs> look, look, yeah. you're the one that brought up strength of schedule. I did not say anything. I'm just leaving it out there. I, I mean, I, I, that's at that, least that they're D one. They are D one. <laughs> for Newman is not D one. They looked to have it. They looked to have a good time while they were there. It was also the senior meet, uh, so they got to have their whole little celebration beforehand. This is I haven't. I think I've been to one meet in the past. I'm free, I know I've been to at least one. I didn't see the band there. The band was there for this. Um, yeah, and they always Buzz, go to senior day. And Buzz was there. I was under the impression that Buzz was banned from the CRC, and I was told by Buzz himself that he was banned from the CRC, and yet he was there. Uh, so I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to say there. I'll say that the mascot was there. We had a fist bump. He seemed to have a fun time there. He did not go on the pool deck. I'll note that. He was just in the stands. He did not go on the pool deck. <laughs> but still, oh, very curious about that. Um, everyone, every, everyone swam. Uh, nothing, there was, I don't think there was any B cuts. There was Gardner Webb was not the kind of team that it seemed that they would need to like just go out an all out brawl. So there was no uh, no impressive times posted, but it was still a fun time to be there uh, and see everyone go. Um, a lot of the other fellow student athletes like to go to these meets as well. So like I saw a decent amount of the volleyball team there and other folks hanging out before the Duke game. Yep, some uh, some interesting events for Carson Newman and you know Gardner Webb lets them shake things up a little bit in terms of uh, who's swimming, what just a little bit, not not too 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 much. Uh, I will say Buzz had a busy week because on Tuesday I had to explain to him what my company did, and he can't use words because he was at the career fair. I was mm. like, this is great, this is a lot of fun. I definitely feel like this is a this is a success. No, um, but you know, hopefully he, hopefully he applies. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Graham, track and field. Yeah. Track and field, both of them. Uh, we had some good medley results again. The distance medley, I think, is one of the most interesting events in track. Basically, the concept is everyone runs a different length of uh, of event. I only ever saw that in the pool once when I was swimming uh, at one meet, and I, I always thought that was an interesting idea, so it's cool that they do it. Uh, a lot more in in the indoor track season uh, for for college, but um, yeah, uh, the men and the women up at the Bob Pollock invite both play second in the event. Uh, it's kind of long because it's a bunch of different distances, uh, so right about nine fifty and eleven thirty four for uh, the respective teams and their finishes. I'm pulling up the teams that were there because I forgot to write those down, but there were quite a bit. Um, you had some professionals because track meets in college are weird. There's like Adidas athletes and stuff like that that always show up. But quite a few, uh, quite a few folks were down there. You had Bama, Charleston Southern, Charlotte, Cincy, Clemson, Coastal, Elon, FIU, Furman State, uh, Georgia State, Georgia Tech, High Point, Kennesaw State, Liberty, Mississippi State, NC State, a uh, couple more professional teams, Rutgers, a school called Southern Wesleyan, which I think is like the next town over from Clemson, but definitely not D1. Uh, Tennessee and Wake. So really a pretty good showing uh, overall. The uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And then there was a couple other uh, key results from Saturday, the second day of competitions. Um, John Watkins placed second in the men's triple jump, 1533 there. And then Shanti Papacosta placed third. Uh, I think that rounds out all of our, uh, I guess, podium finishers. Uh, There's a, a number of good finishes in general, but uh, in terms of, you know, one, two, three, that's uh, that's about what we got. Let's go through some other news items. We know GT Hockey had a couple games this weekend. Let's start there. Okay, so they played, who was this? Tennessee. They played Tennessee twice in Knoxville. Uh, on the 28th, they lost 4-2. to two. On the 29th, they won 6-3. So on aggregate, they won 8-7. 
because this is soccer. One thing that I note about um, like just college club hockey teams in general is all of them have really great logos. Is that yes. just me or am, am I uh, just the sucker for like? They have they have more wiggle room, you know. They they can they just they they I guess they got the license to use Buzz and then make it look good. Um, I will say goals scored by Tech in the first game, the four two loss, both came from Maxim Tuchkin and Andrew Boner. Uh, those are both in the second. Tech went down 3-2 during the second. No goals were scored in the first. And then Tennessee uh, put one away halfway through the third to make it a game, uh, or to put away the game, I guess is a better way to say that. In the second game, it was 1-1 after the first. Goals from Connolly and Tennessee's King. Uh, Tech added two to Tennessee's one in the second. Uh, I believe the Tennessee goal came first, though. So Tennessee, I think, led briefly. Both of those goals in the second were from John McAvilly. Uh, he rounded things out for a hat trick in the third as Tech scored three in the third uh, to Tennessee's one to really put everything away. Uh, other goals by Kyungmin Kim and Maxim Chachkin uh, in, yeah, Chach- Chachilkin. Man, sorry, uh, doing this on the fly, but uh, hat trick for uh, McElvey. So good, uh, good to see there in, in terms of closing out the weekend with a win. They'll be outdoors for their next game. Jack, I take it you're still unsuccessful at finding tickets to that. Oh, I haven't even looked. There was only 400 <laughs> available. I don't think there'll be any more coming available for that. Okay, game. so I have to look up this pavilion. It's called CC Foundry Pavilion. It's a. It's in the cla- the expansion of the Classic Center. It's not really outdoors. It's like like it's a. It's just a skating rink with a roof on it. They're just okay. putting, or not a skate, not even a skating rink. It's just a venue with a roof on it that has an area which they can put ice down and uh, and skate on. Interesting. I'm declaring this fraudulent. Mm, that's only a semi-outdoor game. You can't see the sky. I'm sure they'll cancel it thanks to your opinion here. So oh, good job. Definitely. Yeah. I really hope they do, just just to commit to the bit. Uh, that is their next game. That is February 4th, if my zoomed-in reading of the schedule is right. At the end of the month, next month, is the CHS playoffs. So, busy month coming up for them. We have the first month on the football side of the schedule. So, let's talk about that, unless... Mr. Grant, you have any other news items you'd like to stall news, with? News, news items? No. Things that I could randomly plug in and spit out silly facts about Georgia Tech sports? Yes. <laughs> well, I was thinking you'd want to talk about Emma Kalf and being named eighth best catcher in D1 softball by D1 softball. I really don't have a lot to add to that. I'm sure that they've really looked at all the, the folks and ranked them well. I mean, <laughs> I put that just, in there. There's, there's so me. many teams. You know, like I don't get how you could be like, mm, you know, we're really just needling one a little bit ahead of the rest. It's it's kind of the same thing I feel like when like D1 baseball is predicting their 16 regional hosts this early. It's like, how do you know that? Like, yep. you got to play 50, 50, 55 baseball games until that happens. Like, <laughs> Don't you love it when media outlets put out a top 25 minutes after the national championship game? I it's the exact same though, concept. Emma Kalf is awesome, and it's great to see her getting recognized. Whether or not she's 6th, 8th, or 10th, I'm I'm not wise enough to know that. I watch a lot of softball, and I still wouldn't know how to how to go about ranking that. I would use some analytics, Mr. Grant. 
Have you considered that? <laughs> no, I, I, I explicitly ruled that out. Put a nice black X mark through analytics. <laughs> numbers, cross out the numbers. I Take those I've records and throw them off the shelf. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's it's exactly what we do here at Georgia Tech, and that sets us apart. Um, the numbers lie, of course. Uh, let's double back to the football schedule. Let's talk about the part that we do have and hope that the ACC network gets their act together for the last two-thirds of it. The white and gold game, or the gold and white game, is April 15th. That is a Saturday, I believe. That is not Masters yes, Weekend. Yes, that is. That is a Saturday. It is a Saturday. It's at 1 p.m. It's not Masters Weekend. It's not right after rush hour. I think this is a really good change if you're interested in, in coming to campus and spending some time with, with the team. I, I am a little sad that it's not lined up to a baseball game or something like that because uh, can't really make it a super Saturday. But, you know, uh, if there's nothing else going on, maybe even even better, right? It's not taking people away from baseball or taking people away from spring game. You know, they they just pick one or the other. or, or not, They don't have to pick one or the other. They can uh, just kind of roll with it. I didn't check if there was softball, Jack. Did you see if there's softball in town that weekend? Yeah, there's, the, there's nothing that weekend. That was the only drawback. That was the sad part. It's even even Atlanta United's not playing in here that weekend. So like it is they that will be the one sporting event you can go to in the city of Atlanta. I think if the Braves aren't here, the so. Braves are. They're playing a World oh, Series. Re- Wait, this is this. What is are you looking at? The World Series. Hold on, hold on, no, 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 no. World Series rematch is what <laughs> the, I was going to say. The Braves in Kansas will be City. playing the World Series yeah, in no. April. Oh, my goodness. It was a World Series rematch, but it was March 15th, not April 15th. I'm now looking at April 15th. The Braves are in Kansas City. Yes. Okay. Uh, softball is at Pitt uh, that weekend. Baseball is at VT. Atlanta United is in Toronto. So, there you go. Um, yeah. Very, be, very soft, Softball weekend. at Pitt. Th- two thumbs up. Baseball at VT. Kind of scary. <laughs> kind of scary. <laughs> Softball, if they were at VT, very scary, you know. Atlanta United at Toronto, it's like uh, one thumb up and one thumb down because yes, goodness, no one knows how I, that'll go. I haven't even thought about AL Central Baseball. I couldn't tell you about the Royals' expectations. but they The Royals Grinky. re-signed Grinky today. That's Good a one, problem man. for next month. <laughs> I gotta figure Speaking out how much baseball. And well, no, let's do this. You know? w- w- do you think people are gonna tailgate the spring game? Like he got uh, the morning. They tried last time on a Thursday. I mean, we've done that before. Yeah, I mean that was like athletics student tailgate. Uh, no, we did. We did tailgate one year. The first twenty nineteen, the twenty nineteen one, we did. The twenty nineteen yeah. one, we did tailgate before, even though it was on a when Friday. I, after- I was gonna say when I was football chair, we did a tailgate too. What am I thinking? Duh. Whoops. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm losing it in my old age, you know. Let me give you the first month of the season straight up live from ACC Network. Friday, September 1st, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium versus Louisville. That is one, a conference game, and two, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Saturday, September 9th, the true home opener versus South Carolina State. Saturday, September 16th at Ole Miss. Saturday, September 23rd at Wake Forest. That is one of uh, Georgia Tech's across the, 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 the permanent opponents. Yes. Yeah, the permanent opponents. And then the last game of the month, Saturday, September 30th versus Bowling Green. Mr. Grant, you have the con. I'd like to uh, kind of frame all of these before uh, we kind of roll into the takes. Uh, kind of pulling up 
what we've done most recently against all the schools. Uh, first up, Louisville. Uh, we have played Louisville twice in history. We are 2-0 and against Louisville. Jeff Collins getting a win at home. That was the Jameer Gibbs vaults a guy game. And then uh, beating Louisville on the road on a Friday night uh, in Louisville in Paul Johnson's last season in 2018. That was, I think, a Tobias Oliver game, but Tech won like 66-31. to 31 and It was a very funny very funny game. I I think that's the Paul Johnson, Spencer Hall, I burn houses column. Um, I think that was Spencer that wrote versus uh, Brian Van Gorder. Yes. Yes. Brian Van Gorder. Yes. Uh, Good old Brian Van Gorder and Bobby Petrino. What an iconic duo. Like I said, Georgia tech two and O all time against Louisville at that means two game win streak one and O at home one and O on the road. I don't have a lot of other interesting things that jump off the page there but louisville is in an interesting spot and i'm sure we'll do an in-depth schedule preview later in the year but uh with the whole jeff brom replacing scott satterfield kind of thing i mean this this is a game that gives a lot of implication say what you will about it being a friday night you guys can talk about that but i mean it's starting off the year with a bang right i mean it is the friday night mercedes-benz chick-fil-a kickoff game it is basically the first I mean, I'm sure there's a game on Thursday, but it's like the the big one, right? It's like the big game of uh, the first big game of of the year, if you want to be generous that way. Um, the there was one other note about what the Monday game is, but I now can't find it. Oh, I don't um, but either way, I'll note they've done a text done a good job about like getting their notable they're getting their their Mercedes Benz games on the early ones, like at least on off nights that aren't Saturdays. Uh, both two Mondays and a Friday now, and then not counting the UNC game, which was mid-year. Uh, so they're getting themselves on. They're getting themselves the the a decent national TV slot every year, which is good to see. Uh, which I think was kind of more the point about the Mercedes-Benz thing is like that's gonna that's gonna do the trick to do that anyways, and use the Chick-fil-A kickoff game powers that be to their advantage, uh, which they yeah, probably couldn't do on their own. I will say, I mean, it's better to have this as a kickoff game instead of a normal yeah like just a random conference game in the middle of the year the first game will um, always feel like an event regardless of the fact so you, you blow it out get more people there you mean arguably that you can get more fans to go to these games if you keep doing it at MBS for that first game then you could fit in Bobby Dodd um, that's just theoretical though it probably won't ever be the case but the thing that bothers me about about this setup well I mean there's a bunch of things that bother me about this setup so I'll try to keep this short is that there? It depends on how they structure the attendance for this one because the last two, I guess, two of the five uh, Mercedes Benz games in this contract have been reduced capacity, Atlanta United yeah. capacity. And if this is going to continue to be that on national television, I I have some problems. I think that's why they that, maybe right? are going to shift to the chick-fil-a method if they can keep doing it that way because then they can have a full stadium each time and not have the atlanta united branding in the midst of a, a georgia tech football game and have a colored scheme mix up yeah because then you just end up with the same problem as year, state right right no, they yeah they didn't put the curtains down last year oh, it that's looked right. worse just, oh yeah yeah that's right you're right i was there i should know <laughs> uh, it looked so. much much worse because they didn't put the curtains down yeah, it, it, it gets it, it's just it's a whole thing. I, I I don't think that there's much to be said about South Carolina State. Um, hold up, Ole Miss. Hold up. I have something to say about South Carolina State Ooh. because this is an inclusive podcast and we've played them before. 
Do you guys know our all-time record against South Carolina State? Oh, oh If it's one. not undefeated, I will be severely disappointed. It's delightfully 1-0. We beat uh, them 41-10 in front of 52,000 people at home in 2010. I was hoping it was like we played them in 1935 or something, and it was a 2-2 tie or something crazy like that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Ole Miss on the 16th. Uh, I think a lot of ink is being spilled on Ole Miss and their transfer portal shenanigans. I don't, I don't know if they're going to say shenanigans, but they're really rebuilding that roster via the portal. Um, Including some Kiffin. of our guys. <laughs> yeah, Lane Kiffin's got something cooking. We'll figure out if it's good or bad, uh, I guess. Uh, Wake Forest. We talked about Wake Forest uh, originally when the schedule concept came out. Are you are, what? You want to do the Ole Miss? The schedule. Yeah, I want to do the Ole Miss thing. I He's got a bit for all these games, buddy. I didn't handle all this data by hand, entering it for us to never use it. Are you kidding me? Uh, all Look, time that we is are two the, and three against Ole Miss, <laughs> sir. That is the unsung heroness of being someone that works with data. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's <laughs> two and three all time. Uh, the two wins were both by Bobby Dodd, 1946. 24 to 7, 1952, also 24 to 7. Uh, Old Miss was trounced on the way to a Georgia Tech National Championship. Uh, that attendance was 80,187. That was at a, oh, duh, neutral site. We'll uh, unbox that later. I was be like, uh, I, what did they build? Do people watching at the varsity, like on top of the varsity for that game or something? Well, oh, Jake, will, Jake will remind us probably in a second here that before all of the renovations that forced Tech to close out the bowl or box off the bowl, they right. were seating well over 60,000, if not like 70, 80,000 in the bowl. And I wouldn't call it well over, but uh, that was uh, apologies to uh, – to uh, the corrections there, that was a bowl game, uh, not uh, uh, not at Bobby Dodd. It was a neutral site. So, whoops, um, my bad. <laughs> and then three and zero or zero and three since then. Those matchups that we've played since then. Uh, again, two of them are bowl games: nineteen seventy one and twenty thirteen, and then a twenty twenty two forty two nothing loss at Bobby Dodd. We have never played. Fun fact: in Oxford, really. This is the first. Yeah. Okay. Well, we there's been a lot of ink spilled about how Bobby Dodd in public stated that he would never set foot in, in Mississippi for some of these games. Um, yeah. And Jake specifically has spilled a lot of digital ink on this, I believe. So, um, Jake, give us the very short TLDR on why. Yeah. Hold on. I'm looking at this now. It was the 1952 Sugar Bowl, which was the 1953 Sugar Bowl. There we go. So it was yeah. national championship season. My bad. I got the wires crossed because I started doubting myself. Anyways, Bobby Dodd didn't like to play in Mississippi. Long line of Georgia Tech coaches that did not want to travel, starting with John Heisman. He very famously made a bunch of his money by uh, gate receipts, hence why he did not like to travel and wanted everyone to come to Atlanta where their facilities were better. Anyways, uh, Bobby Dodd. Basically didn't think that the Mississippi schools were all that competitive. Uh, it was not easy to reach them and uh, not worth his time, right? If you're going to be taking a loss, uh, sports writers don't like that, especially in the years where their votes get you your national championship. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it makes for interesting uh, results when your conference, uh, I guess, opponents see you as somebody who never even wants to deign to play them. For example, that 1952 year we played Florida, Tulane, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Bama, Georgia, and Ole Miss. So very interesting uh, slate and Ole Miss only coming 
via the uh, via the bowl game. Uh, Mississippi State similarly rarely played. Um, yeah, kind of rarely played LSU, Kentucky, Florida as well. It was really just the Vandy, Tulane, um, Vandy, Tulane, Auburn, and Bama. Both of those were usually in Birmingham, so another big city, and then sometimes Knoxville uh, for Tennessee. So really, you can see it kind of lining up with your bigger southern cities and that is why we've never been to oxford they uh they, the mississippi schools are a big reason why we were not back in the conference uh in the 80s uh, or sorry late 70s when georgia tech attempted to to do that before joining the acc speaking of acc foes wake forest uh i remember we had a lot of consternation that it was wake forest out of the research triangle that was picked to be one of tech's permanent rivals instead of someone like duke who Tech has had a long and storied history with. What history do we have against Wake Forest, sir? Well, you don't want to just write the Duke thing off. I mean, I, I'll i die on that sword a little bit. That's our longest unbroken series now that the UGA series went by the wayside uh, due to COVID uh, and that interruption there. So stinks to lose that too, uh, especially so hot on the heels of the severing of the UGA series. All time against Wake Forest, Georgia Tech and Wake have squared off 31 times. 18 of those times are at Bobby Dodd Stadium. 12 on the road once was neutral. Georgia Tech all time is 23 and 8 against Wake. Pretty slanted towards the Jackets. That is a 742 win percentage. Tech is 14 and 4 against Wake at home. 9 and 3 on the road. So fairly successful and really uh, shockingly similar uh, win percentages in in both of those. Wake has been Tech's homecoming game four times, most recently in 2017. Yes, 2017. Uh, that was uh, a night game on the flats. Um, 25 of those games while Georgia Tech and Wake shared the uh, the ACC. Uh, Georgia Tech is, I'd say, fairly consistent in playing them for two decent stretches uh, once in the Uh, I guess the first golden age of Georgia Tech football, those late teens, so 1916 through like 19-ish. And then uh, when the ACC was only eight or nine teams, we did play them basically every year. uh, Siri, go away. That happened again this week. Jeez. Um, Basically played them annually uh, from about 1981 up up until the conference split into two divisions have really only played them once since 2010. I, I will say Tech is also on a three-game win streak, so 09, 2010, and 2017. Tech's last loss to Wake Forest. Do you gents know what it is? Uh, no. Oh, no, I know what it is. It's the 06 oh, ACC title championship game. game. Title game. Oh, yeah. man, that's right. Yep. The, what uh, is that, 6-3, six, 6-9? Six, something like that. 6-9 six, nine. Six, nine with Calvin Johnson on the roster. No, t- no touchdowns were scored by either team. Hmm. I have okay. a headache. I have a massive headache. Jacksonville, too. They played that ACC championship. The ACC championship game was very... uh, uh, It 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 was nomadic for a while. Yeah, Jacksonville, uh, Tampa. We played Clemson and Tampa in 09 when we we won. Originally, the thought was to have cities bid on it, and then they realized that there were very few cities that actually wanted to bid on it, so they just Mm -hmm. went permanent site in Charlotte. Makes sense. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Bowling Green. The last time we played them, I remember, was in, what, 2018? Mr. Grant, record versus Bowling Green, please. Want to know. <laughs> oh, that was the first 60, year. Well, okay. 63-17 win. That was our first, uh, when we played them, our first game against a team from Ohio in, like, 
a really long time. Don't quote me on the timeline, but uh, Georgia Tech hasn't made it up north all that much. So very interesting to see us dip back in the Mac well uh, for, I guess, the third time in six seasons. Third time in, yeah, six seasons. Um, let's move over to October. We only have a two dates confirmed right now. That is the first being at Miami on the the seventh. Miami, of course, we have a storied history with. Wouldn't you say, Mister Grant? I'd say so. Uh, very interesting that uh, Georgia Tech has kind of uh, danced around being uh, even with them the last couple seasons. It's thirteen and fourteen all time, so twenty seven. 27 games. Interestingly, not as much as Wake Forest. It's mostly due to Miami being a more recent add to the conference. Uh, I know that with us playing them annually, they kind of take up a a much larger headspace. So it's a little bit surprising sometimes to see that that number is only 27. The first Miami-Georgia Tech game came in 1955 uh, and then in 1964 uh, in the waning days of the SEC for Bobby Dodd. Uh, Those were both wins. Uh, Miami's first win against Tech came in 67 and then in 68. Uh, You can ask Bud Carson how those two went. Tech rattled off four in a row in the 70s. Uh, Then they took a long break uh, until they played in 99. That was a neutral sider again. And then uh, they've played uh, uninterrupted other than the COVID cancellation cancellation late uh, late in the game, if you will, in the uh, in the 2020 season. But like I said, Back and forth uh, the previous couple of years, Georgia Tech did beat Miami in 18 and 19. 18 was a night game, home game. Uh, Very interesting. 2019 was the Presley Harvin uh, touchdown game. And then, uh, yeah, that 2017 game is kind of a a doors, a sliding doors moment, at least for me. Miami wins by one uh, after screen pass, after screen pass, after screen pass. Double screen. They were were a top 10 team that year. and, And, you know, one play goes differently against them. One play goes differently against Tennessee. You're looking at a, a Georgia Tech that makes a bowl, beats a, a ranked team at the time, maybe both of those, and goes seven and four. And, you know, maybe maybe things work out differently from there. But no real sense in, in dwelling on the past. Both of the last two games were a 33-30 loss uh, in Coral Gables and a 35-14 loss at home. By on the 14th, 10-21, the 21st of uh, the 21st of October is versus Boston College. Boston College really get through Georgia Tech for a loop in 21. Would you say? I'd say so. Uh, it's very interesting to kind of see how they've gone since then. Boston College, I'd actually say, kind of handled us pretty thoroughly in both uh, both games of the COVID and post COVID seasons. We played them back-to-back years there. It was a 48-27 loss in 20, a 41-30 loss in 21. I, I wouldn't say that the second game was as close as it seemed. And that was kind of kind of the straw that was breaking the camel's back there at the end of the uh, the, the 2021 season. That, uh, that and the Virginia Tech game were both, uh, were both pretty tough. Uh, I will say all-time Georgia Tech and Boston College have played 11 times. Tech is seven and four, the most recent win was the first that I saw as a Tech student. That would be the game in Dublin, Ireland. That was a 17-14 win for Tech. Tech also won the two before that in 08 and 2012, losing to Boston College in 98 and 07. Pretty sporadic uh, series, even with them being in the conference. Again, have only played 11 times uh, and only, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of those have come since uh 
Boston College joined the conference uh, about 10 years ago or about 20 years ago. So certainly, certainly a team that's kind of, you know, they pop onto the radar every couple of years, but I think that's one of the the merits as we see here and, and kind of with wake as well of, you know, being able to play, play every team every two years. Right. It's very interesting how Boston college is going to look this season, especially because Phil Dracovic is now at Pitt, going back to his ancestral homeland. Uh, Jeff Halfley in general was on a hot seat. It, and they lost that entire offensive line two years ago to the draft and just haven't yep. recovered. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting how they've utilized the portal and high school recruiting to rebuild, basically rebuild that entire offense. I haven't really kept up with how things are going uh, on that side. Um, but, I mean, they'll have, what what is that, the eighth, the seventh game uh, of the season for Tech? They'll have at least like seven eight weeks to figure it out before they have to come to Atlanta. Let's move on to the 28th. You can tell that we're stalling for the last couple more, well, last couple games to be released here. Um, 28th versus UNC. I believe that is also at home. Historic record, please. Yeah. Your historic record against UNC is the most uh, of any of the teams that we've seen so far. That's 57 total games. It's 32, 22 and three. Uh, probably the most famous of those ties coming in 1990. That was somewhat by the skin of their teeth, saving Georgia Tech's uh, perfect season with uh, Scott Sisson uh, field goal, you know, keeping keeping them around in there. Georgia Tech has played North Carolina in a number of stints, uh, kind of similar to, to Wake in that regard. The main ones that come to mind are 19, 15 and 16, uh, and then again in the 20s, uh, that was a... Uh, Actually, how many of Georgia Tech's four claimed national championships have featured a game against North Carolina? All but one. Good guess. Uh, All but Jack, two. Jack, you got one? All but two. Jack is correct. Hey. Uh, you're, wel- you're welcome, everyone. We also beat them 20-7 to in 1928. After that uh, stretch in the 20s and 30s, Tech did get them a couple times. In the 40s, uh, a one-off in 74, and then have played them essentially every year since uh, since joining the ACC. Tech uh, started that stretch with four straight L's, <laughs> 80 through 84, uh, and then uh, since then has been a little bit more consistent, uh, including a 98 through, uh, let's see, through two, 2013 stretch of 15, or I guess 16 games because you're inclusive of each end. That featured only two losses there was an interruption during the 2020 season but tech is interestingly four of their last five uh featuring wins over north carolina including uh i guess that's inclusive of six seasons because they didn't see each other in 2020 the first game of november is at virginia we've gone to charlottesville a couple times the most notable uh instance of going to charlottesville i think is still that 90 game which got a massive intro from CBS. I think it was CBS at the time uh, and ended in Scott Sisson taking out number one ranked UVA with a last second field goal. Yeah. Um, this is another one of those. that has been very consistent since we joined the ACC in 19, uh, the early 1980s. I believe we started our series with Virginia in 82 because they slowly ramped tech into the ACC. It wasn't just a turn on the switch uh, because there were a number of independent contracts that are out there. So uh, again, if anyone's taking notes at home, Tech was not eligible 
uh, for the ACC title in football until 83, I believe, uh, which other sports coming along in 79. Uh, Georgia Tech all time is 21 and 22 and one against Virginia for a total of 44. They are 26 and 17 at home and 18 or sorry, not 26 and 17, 17 and nine at home four, 13 and one on the road. Uh, Charlottesville. A bit of the boogeyman there, uh, Virginia. Again, notably, uh, 1990, that uh, field goal to win it all. Georgia Tech uh, was at one point two games ahead of Virginia in the all-time standings, uh, but has since lost the last three in a row with the last win coming in that very exciting and previously noted Virginia game, a 30-27 to win uh, in Paul Johnson's final season. The three losses in 1921 and 22 were a 33-28 loss in 19, 48-40 uh, in 21, and then 22 was a 16-9 loss on a Thursday night uh, under Coach Bredke. We know what the end of the season holds. We don't have to talk about that one on Thanksgiving weekend, but we do know the other two opponents in some capacity on the 11th of November and the 17th and the 18th of November, excuse me, I have that wrong in my sheet, are Clemson and Syracuse. We know a lot about Clemson. We've talked a lot about Clemson today and its various other sports programs. Uh, We've seen Syracuse a couple times recently. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about them and Tech's recent performance there. Well, you faked me out there because I pulled up Clemson first, but uh, all time against Syracuse, couple notable games. Uh, it is a three and one record. Oh, one and oh, four were both neutral siders. Uh, that's the old kickoff classic that used to happen in East Rutherford. I know for oh, one, I don't know oh, four off the top of my head, but I'm sure that if I scrolled to the right in my sheet, I would find out uh, that loss against Syracuse was a Otherwise, winless team in 2020. That was a 37 to 20 loss. Uh, the only road game that Tech has played at Syracuse. Rounding out those four games, that 2013 win was a rude awakening for Syracuse as they joined the conference that season and a 56 to nothing shellacking at the hands of Paul Johnson, as uh, you know, as he's one to do against the unsuspecting teams that gives Tech an all time 1 and 0 mark at home, 0 and 1 on the road and two and oh at neutral sites i remember that game when they were winless and beat us because i got invited on the uh acc or the sirius xm acc networks radio show because they do like they did like a student journalist thing on the on the friday before a game they always pick a, a game so they picked us for that week i don't know why they picked us for that game for that week whatever and i was just i was so cocky on that radio show I'm like we looked all right it was it was still early enough in the season. Syracuse had shown nothing. Like I went back and watched tape of like their game before. And I'm like they're awful. How are we gonna lose this? Game? Like I had I was completely we just confident. Beat Florida State too, right? Yeah, like we were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was after that Florida State win. Um, yeah. I was yeah. I uh, that that my radio appearances so far have not netted us anything good because then I went on it the next year and we lost that forty eight forty game. It's a Boston Ooh, College. Jack, that's tough. That's tough. Jack, Jack uh, we can't let you go on the radio anymore. I no, I will no. note that the 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 other neutral site game was a bowl, so that was a postseason game, not uh, not the kickoff, but the one was in 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 uh, East Rutherford. I do know that. Give me the notables for Clemson. Notables for Clemson. Those are. Surprising to a lot of casual fans, I would say. Uh, even though we have not beaten Georgia Tech, or. Georgia- even though we have not beaten Clemson. Definitely haven't done that. 
since I became a fan, uh, I remember one of the big things uh, when I first showed up at Tech was, ah, oh, we've won like, you know, 10 years in a row at home. So we got them at home this week. So it'll, it'll be a win. That was a Thursday night shellacking at the hands of the eventual national champions. That uh, puts Georgia Tech at a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight uh, losses to Clemson. We have played them legitimately every year since 1983. They were one of the last ACC teams to roll onto our schedule, which is interesting because they are certainly who we would deem a historic rival. They are certainly in our top five uh, amongst, actually top four, uh, Auburn, Clemson, UGA and Duke all time. That is 88 total games, 51 wins for Georgia Tech, 35 losses uh, and two ties. Tech is 43 and 16 and two against them at home for a 721 win percentage and 304 uh, win percentage on the road. That is seven and 16. They are one and three all time. In neutral site games, and yes, I did count the Mercedes-Benz game as a neutral site game last year. It's not a home game. I know that they count it as a home game, but it is not at Bobby Dodd Stadium, so I will not be counting it as a home game, and no one can make me. Uh, Interestingly, Georgia Tech has played Clemson 12 times, not just the week of Thanksgiving, but on Thanksgiving itself. Uh, Auburn is another one that Tech used to end The season with Clemson has been the homecoming game five times, including one recently, uh, their one postseason matchup coming in the 2009 previously mentioned ACC championship game in Tampa. Uh, I have one more fun fact uh, that I will note, and that is that the most recent win was a 28 to six margin, uh, usually holding Clemson to only six points is great results. Uh, We held them to 14 and 21 and, and certainly came close uh, and and was a much better showing than 77 to three the year before uh, this year. Of course, everyone recalls that we lost to them 41 to 10 in the opener and looked pretty good for three quarters. So, you know, hopefully we can make it, you know, another four quarter game like we did two years ago. You know, tech, yeah. tech hasn't been completely outmatched in every game we played against them, but they've certainly been lots to handle sometimes. Do y'all want another, I, did, I made a mistake story and led us to lose? Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> Uh, my first ever game in a, in a press box was seventy three to seven. Ooh. Yep. My uh, my Clemson uh, disaster story involves a big golden whistle, but we don't have enough time for that right now. <laughs> I think we've still already told that story on the podcast at some point. Someone's just going to have to find it for us. Uh, we did get some schedule updates uh, as we were recording here. That Clemson game will be on the eleventh of November. That is at Clemson. Uh, we're waiting to hear when Hughes is. Uh, the obviously no time, but the date it should be the week of the 18th of November. Uh, we're just waiting to see if that's a Thursday or a Saturday. But yeah, that is your schedule to go over it once more in full detail. Friday, September 1st versus Louisville in Mercedes Benz Stadium. Saturday, September 9th, South versus South Carolina State. That is a home game. At Ole Miss on September 16th, at Wake Forest on September 23rd, home versus Bowling Green on September 30th, at Miami on October 7th, by week on October 14th, versus Boston College at home on October 21st, UNC at home on October 28th, at Charlottesville against Virginia on November 4th, at Clemson on November 11th, and then at some point 
during the week of the 18th of November versus Syracuse. I sh- think that should be a home game. I think if I'm home not as well. mistaken. Yeah, home and then Thanksgiving weekend, whatever. Uh, gentlemen. We kind of we didn't learn a lot there, right? Because we already no. knew who we were playing. The only we? notable thing was that the Louisville game got moved up a day that from – yeah. We probably thought it would have been a Saturday game, maybe Monday, but on who, who knows. Yeah. Um, hey, I hey, personally we're, learned we're, that this entire schedule release show thing is stupid. Remember what Mr. Key said, that we're going to work 365 days a year to beat an interstate rival. You had you, you heckin' betcha we're going to be working that day. Working so hard to beat Georgia State in 2024, Jack. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I won't even pull up the stats for, for our... Our, uh, I don't want to talk about that one. Um, in good, any hey, other hey, last time that happened, Harrison Butker did something good. He's got a big game in a couple weeks. He's got a real big game in a couple weeks. Very I, true. Uh, also, the final date before you go, Jake, the yeah. Syracuse game is a Saturday that is at home. That is on the 18th. All right, no Thursdays this year. Interesting. I thought they were going to keep up with that. I will note just one more thing. Uh, Georgia Tech has only dropped uh, one time to one game, one win in the last 10 years against UGA. And it's not right now. So it could always be worse. Never know. <laughs> Don't count those chickens before they hatch is all I want to say. Uh, gentlemen, softball episode next week, baseball episode probably after that, if I remember Jack's schedule correctly. Any yes, other yes. thoughts before we sign off for the night? I'm ready for softball. I'm ready for baseball. Uh, bring it on, bring it on. I think men's tennis will surprise a team or two this year. Women's tennis, you know, they're, they're quality too. So spring spring's kind of, at least for me, my favorite time of year. So I'm, I'm excited. Maybe not my favorites, like sports and aggregate. Love me some volleyball. Love me some men's basketball too. But uh, no springs, springs exciting. we got a lot coming up. I think that's about it for us. Mr. Grant takes home. Yeah, as always, you can find us at fromtherumbleseat.com. We post articles with these where you can comment and uh, like and share and subscribe and read all the other great content that Asa and the rest of the gang are putting out every day of the week. Uh, You can email us your comments and your feedback at fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com. We really appreciate the feedback and we work to incorporate that into our shows. If you have any questions for us, feel free to ask them there. Um, We can also be found at FTRS blog on Twitter. You can find Jack and myself at Jake Grant and at Jack Nicholas there as well. If you find Akshay, no, you didn't uh, just forget about it. Uh, You can find section 103 on Twitter as well uh, at section 103 and section 103.com. You can also find from the rumble seat at uh, from the rumble seat on Instagram and Facebook. You can find podcasts, Wherever fine podcasts are distributed, and as always, we appreciate if you were to rate, review, share with your friends, and tell them that we are here. As always, it's been another long week, so thank you for tuning in. Good night, good luck, and go Jackets. Oh,